and welcome to the Recovering God podcast. This is a platform to explore issues that affect the faith lives of Christian women. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Hello, lovely listener. Here we are again, the three A's, but we have news, don't we, people? Well, when I say people, Alex, looking accusingly at Alex. <laughs> Alex replying guiltily. Tell us your news, Alex. So my news is I start my new job in September with the Methodist Yeah, I'm going to be a minister. So... Well, that's the good that's bit. That's the good bit. Yes, go and, on then. And the not so good bit is that means I'm going to stand down from this lovely podcast. Oh, not good. It's not good at all. So, so for our lovely listeners, yes, way into a uh, advertisement. So we're going to miss you, Alex. But I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to miss you, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Thanks, thanks, Amy. Sorry, did I move forward a bit too quickly? Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. That means everyone that we need a new member of the team that can um, complete our three-legged stool as it were <laughs> your uh, name doesn't have to begin with a though that's, no 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 that is that's that, only optional it's optional just happened this time um, um we're really looking for somebody who would love to learn about editing podcasts and um interviewing people and working with me and Amy, who are both a bit crazy in different ways. Um, anything else, Amy, we need to say about it? Obviously, it's good to be pro-women. So maybe if you're a complementarian, don't, don't refer to <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't. yeah, yeah, well, hopefully if they're listening and they kind of agree, they wouldn't hopefully contact us and say, yes, I'd like to do it, but I don't. I don't believe in women in speaking. <laughs> So get in contact with us, let us know. And to be honest, even if you just want to do some support, you know, we could, there's no, there's no harm in having more than another person as well because we, we need support. Yeah, like if you're nervous, you've never done this before, whatever, like, you know, you can always just, you know, join us. Like say, do some admin, like in terms of um, editing podcasts and then just like ease your way in, like just sit in on one of the interviews if you want. So don't think we're going to like throw you in the deep end. It is good fun. I I do encourage you, listener. It it is really good fun working on this podcast. You get to meet some amazing people. You do. Yeah, 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 you do. Right. Okay. So um, in other news, we've had a lovely listener who has written to us who was a man and I knew there were male listeners because I know people who tell me that they are listeners this man I didn't know and he was talking about the uh, last episode on uh, reproductive loss and he was pointing out the difficulties for men who grieve too and the stereotypes are that they're not allowed to show any emotion they've got to be strong and uh, just wanted to say, don't forget about us and, you know, I need to grieve and to re- be able to allow our emotions to show as well, which is a really good point. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah, I'm very glad I that did, you wrote in. 
Yeah. Well, I was just thinking, you know, if women are liberated to be able to grieve and be open about reproductive loss, then obviously the pathway is for the man to do that as well. So when women are liberated, then men are liberated as well. So everyone comes out from under the shield of silence. Everyone benefits. Yeah. On top of that, this morning I heard a woman who has done a programme um, called, I think it's called Miscarriage, that's available on iPlayer. I haven't seen it. But she was talking about it and it sounded like it was really going to be helpful for people and part of this kind of lifting the lid on on uh, reproductive loss. So... Um, if that's something you're interested in, then you might want to go and uh, watch that as well on iPlay. I think it was called Miscarriage. I know it's available at the moment. We could look it up, couldn't we, and, and tag it in. We could. And then the other thing I was thinking about was that the other day it was St George's Day, and uh, it reminded me of the Sharon Prentice episode, which it was before your time, you two, mm. when she was talking about um, stained glass windows. She written, she written a book about stained glass windows and how they'd effectively been whitewashed. All the saints had become white. And I actually bumped into Sharon, bizarrely, um, in, unexpectedly on Saturday. And um, But St George's Day, St George was not white, not... Turkish. From, yeah, not Albanian, is he? Oh, I thought it was Turkish. Something like that. Anyway, definitely not white-skinned and never been to England um, or indeed the UK. And then to be fair, there's no such thing as dragons either. So (laughs) the whole thing, the whole story is a bit sketchy. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. Brilliant. Um, And then we've got these, you know, racist people waving St George's flags mm. as if, you know, uh, the irony is great. Anyway, mm. if you if you missed that uh, episode, uh, listeners, you might want to go and find that one because it's really interesting. But uh, And then it will make you go and look at pictures and see. And then, but there are now starting to be more images of the saints as they really were thought to be rather mm. than, you know, <sighs> Not before time. Painted what? Yeah, quite. Mm. Right. Okay. So, can I can I just say that I did just Google it? Yeah. And St George's birthplace is Cappadocia in Turkey. So. Uh, look at you, Noel. <laughs> Cappadocian grandson. Moving on then. So we're going to listen to Claire Williams, and she can be found on a, on a website called Get Real. Brilliant. Let's listen then. is the founder of Get Real, which endeavours to engage with big questions about the Christian faith. It is an organisation that tackles issues concerning identity, race and religion. Claire is a Christian who is passionate about the intersection of race, faith and apologetics. So Claire, we have to start by asking you, what is apologetics? Hi, Alex. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, so to your question, what is apologetics? It is um, basically the reasonable and rational defense of the Christian faith. So um, using uh, 
information using um, arguments from outside of the Bible. So sciences, philosophy, personal experience, history to build like a cumulative case for the truth of Christianity. So it's about defending the faith. It comes from 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, always be ready to to give an answer for the reason um, that you have hope in Christ. And it's that Greek word apologia, which is to to give an answer, to give a defence. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. So let's go to our set question. We are coming back to apologetics, Claire. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself so that we understand who we are for any of the listeners who don't know? So perhaps we could start by talking about your Christian faith and how that's uh, been shaped and a bit of anything of your personal history that, that you'd be happy to share. Yeah, thank you so much. I think um, my personal faith has obviously really shaped my life. I am the youngest daughter of a Jamaican preacher. (laughs) Um, My father's actually passed away now, but my parents are from the Windrush generation, came to the UK, um, started their own churches, um, largely due to not being accepted in the established church in the UK at the time. And just grew up, you know, going to church a lot. (laughs) Uh, And then you know, becoming a Christian, making a faith commitment quite young, but then kind of like in my twenties, having lots of questions, um, and then discovering apologetics and going, wow, like, why didn't I know this stuff? And then, um, doing, leaving my profession. So I was a teacher for 10 years in Southeast London. Uh, I left my profession to, um, study, do some postgrad study, but also to train in apologetics. And God really used that time to help answer some of my questions I had and I felt a strong sense of conviction about trying to set up something um for apologetics that addresses questions around race and faith I was just thinking Claire that you aren't the first person who's been on this podcast who sadly his parents were rejected by the established church so I'm just sorry really that's why I was just Mm. reflecting on I was as I was thinking about this would you call yourself Claire a Christian feminist (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness um christian feminist i think i think i'm possibly more sympathetic to um womanist theology Mm -hmm. so um kind of a feminism but a a womanist theology kind of centers the experience of black women and what god has to say about them and their experiences um so uh, this great book called by Dolores S. Williams called Sisters in the Wilderness kind of uses um, Hagar's experience to kind of look at how God is active in the lives of black women. So um, I, I have a lot that I sympathise with and can can see a lot of um, value in womanist theology, but I'm not quite sure where I stand if I was to call myself a womanist or a feminist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the people who come on this this podcast, they they... Um, bring their own kind of uh, female experience into answering that question and the word feminist just doesn't quite cope with with who we are our backgrounds our cultures and all the other female things we we bring into our lives yeah yeah thank you Claire your your big thing is about dealing the fact with the fact that as Christians we ask questions and your organization Get Real offers a space to do that can you tell us why asking questions about why we believe what we believe is so important as Christians? Yeah, I think that um, Christians can, and I've often been charged actually by maybe our atheist friends, um, associates of having maybe slightly 
not very much of a thinking faith. We may have grown up in church as I did, and I'm talking about myself because I've been there, grown up in faith and had, you know, overwhelming experiences with God, especially as I'm a Pentecostal, the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, big thing, answered prayers, great times of worship. But actually, um, is this true? Is this true outside of my experiences with God? And God speaks to us through personal experiences, yes and amen. But actually, when I think about St. Mark, I think it's 12 and verse 28 to 34, the lawyer says to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment of all. And Jesus says to love the Lord your God of all your heart, soul, mind and strength. So we are called to have a thinking, a holistic faith, the one that loves God with our hearts and also that is a thinking faith. And if God is the creator, if he transcends creation, if we see order in the universe, if it's logical, if it runs according to mathematics, then that is telling us something about the creator himself, that he is a thinking God. And so we being made in his image, we do that too. So um, I think it's really important for us to be able to ask our questions and, and seeing as well that in that, in that same scripture in St. Mark, when Jesus answers the question, um, the Bible describes the, the crowd no one dared to ask Jesus any more questions, mm. but Jesus himself didn't shut down the questions. They were hushed. Whereas every time Jesus is asked a question, even if it's coming from a dishonest place, he answers the question. Yeah. So I think that is telling us we, we, we are in relation with a God who invites our questions. Mm. Mm. And certainly Jesus likes to throw out a lot of questions, doesn't he? Yeah. To get thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 He often turns it on its head, doesn't he? Yeah. So, Claire, do you think that um, church is a good place for asking questions or is church not the place for asking questions? I think that church um, can increasingly become a good place to ask questions, particularly with young people. I think that's something that we're going to have to be very dynamic about in our youth ministries now, you know, post-pandemic youth groups I've heard you know loads of you know desperate cries from youth leaders saying you know how do we kind of recoup from from the pandemic I think that churches are a place for corporate worship are a place for hearing you know a message of you know a sermon but we need to develop spaces where we can ask questions and so having evenings forums that kind of thing um is definitely the way forward I think so where did your interest in the need to engage with questions about faith come from? Yes, I think it came from my, um, as I said, growing up in church and just having these undeniable experiences of of God and then asking questions and thinking, is this true? Am I only a Christian because my parents are, you know, Christian? Am I thinking about this for myself? Do I go to church and have an emotional experience and then use my brain at work? Those kind of things. And I think I had a conversation with a friend which was... (laughs) You kind of, you know, when you know something intuitively, but when you're faced with it, it kind of hits you. And this person said, come on, Claire, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? You know, this person totally respected me. Great. You know, I respected them, but they just said, and that was like, okay, so clearly like not everybody shares my worldview. And is this true? Is this rational? Is it rational to be a Christian? And so that really set me on a path of asking questions. And as, as I said before, you know, just falling in love with apologetics and and taking the time out to train in it brilliant thank you claire on your website at christmas you did a series on um doubt so can you tell us think about why why doubt is important as christians yeah so that christmas series was kind of 
I was using it as a template to kind of examine how, you know, people within the page of scripture had doubts too, but yet God was at work within those doubts. So the priest, Zechariah, is told that he's going to have a a child. And the question he asks the angel is, how can I be sure? You know, he's doing his priestly duties, but still isn't able to to kind of process this this divine encounter that he's having. Uh, Whereas Mary says okay so how is this going to be possible she's quite aware of how reproduction works and then she says okay let it be so so very interesting to see how when we face life you know what 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 do we do so I think doubt has become a little bit of a dirty word in church circles um and if you kind of express doubts you might be accused of not having enough faith go and pray you know some of these unhelpful responses when actually working through doubts and trusting God knowing who God is and the goodness of his character, you can walk through your season of doubts and on the other side, come, come out with stronger faith. Can I ask a question? How, how do you get people to feel safe in talking about their doubt? Because I know from my teaching background, it's, it's hard to um, help people feel comfortable in their own vulnerabilities. So how, how do you do it, Claire? <laughs> I think with so I do this mostly with young people um yeah. and I think it's, it's exactly the word you said their vulnerability so whoever's kind of facilitated needs to show some vulnerability needs to kind of because the thing is particularly working with young people but this can go through I, I guess the, the great church family if you don't put the questions on the table people are going to look for the answers to those questions elsewhere to take the taboo away what are the questions of this cultural moment put them on the table why because god can bear the weight of our questions and so what i do with the young people at church i remember i did a session with them and saying what questions do you have about the christian faith and it was silence (laughs) so i started to say it's of my mind like which one of them was is the bible even true is it real and then one by one they started to you know um, raise their hands or you know put some stuff down and post-it notes you know preserve some anonymity around this so i think it is vulnerability and anonymity works as well and just showing that you know god can bear the way of our questions Mm, thank you that's really good thank you that leads really beautifully on to are there any areas which christians are afraid to ask in church but really need to ask those questions Questions around, um, and part of this is part of the reason why I do get real specifically looking at questions from the Black British community, objections to faith. One of the big ones are questions about justice, really. Can the church do the work of justice as it relates to racial justice? And what you're having, what you're seeing is young people are looking out outside, looking at political organisations, because the church seems doesn't seem to have the power to do that. Well, actually, the gospel is a beautiful thing. <laughs> redeeming thing um so I think questions of justice and you know Gen Z are very justice oriented and if the gospel doesn't seem to be doing harm to people they don't want to know so I think questions around justice and obviously questions around identity um particularly LGBTQI related questions are we creating the space to have those um questions on the table and to listen to where people are um to give you know, helpful, pastoral, caring and biblically faithful responses. I mean, that is a whole different area where people are going to land differently. But I think, as I said, allowing the questions to be asked. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There seems to be a disparity, doesn't there, between the questions that we need to ask about things that go into society and the church's 
yeah because <laughs> you don't want to say anything you know you don't want to say the wrong thing um but actually what I find with okay let's take for instance questions around racial justice as I said the gospel is a beautiful thing and what the gospel does it gives us the grace and the space to have robust conversations you know I don't play when it comes to this I will say what it is I will say what I think um but saying it in a way that is gracious to my brothers and sisters who look differently to me, you know, and um, also allowing the spirit to convict me for when, you know, I'm getting this wrong. So I think there's a, there's a beauty of grace in the gospel, which maybe something like cancel culture doesn't afford. I love that. Grace does not afford cancel culture. Wow. <laughs> it's going to take, I'm going to be unpacking that for a long time. after right, this. Right. Do you think the pandemic has had, a bearing on asking questions about faith? Yeah, I think, well, quite early in the pandemic, actually, remember there were some stats that were coming out from Google searches and I think The Guardian released a couple of articles about how people were searching about Christianity, Jesus, um, just looking for answers. And, you know, the pandemic has made all of us have to stop and, you know, those existential questions that you kind of bury in the race of life. You know, what is my meaning? What is my purpose? Why am I here? those questions rose to the surface, 100%. And then um, obviously seeing not just the pandemic, but then, you know, when the whole world was struggling to breathe because of the pandemic and then seeing George Floyd saying, I can't breathe, the horrible irony of that. And then the whole wave of where we are right now in quite a polarised setting. Yeah, people are asking questions. I think the gospel is unique, as I said, in allowing the space to ask questions whereas we create these kind of echo chambers on social media you know the the whole thing so I think the pandemic has made a huge shift and um just like the knowledge increase I would say just thinking about TikTok people doing videos to answer questions then people kind of responding to those like there's a lot out there that you can get what is the call of the gospel and and why is it unique just another thing that I'm just thinking about, you know, your website, you 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 deal with issues of identity, race and religion. Mm-hmm. What would you say you have the most questions about? I have the most questions about um, Christianity being harmful to black people, I would say. Isn't it a bit, you know, a kind of Stockholm syndrome for black Christians to, to even exist? If, if, you, if you know what I mean, there's a there's a book called um, Reading While Black by Esau Macaulay, a black, um, African-American theologian. And he talks about the miracle of the black church. He says that the fact that the black church exists, given the, you know, our shared history um, is, is a miracle. And so there is a whole rise in um, what you call black consciousness movements who kind of have maybe a more Afrocentric faith. So Hebrew Israelites, um, Pan-Africanism, black consciousness movements, black atheism as well. So atheism that is where young people arrive at a place of atheism because of the church's history and complicity in racism. They can't see any redemption in it, those kind of things. So it's about, look, how can you even, how can you even um, talk about this stuff? And actually what I try to do is say to people, yeah, look at the Christ of Christianity, um, not just the, the, you know, the the horrible record of the church t- to some degree where this is concerned. So that's my, I would say, one of my biggest questions. Thank you. So apologetics then is about questions of, of justice, questions of identity. Um, 
what what else comes into apologetics then what other questions would you like because I know you're particularly interested in, in empowering young people mm-hmm. to be able to, to speak their faith with, with integrity, with um, knowledge. Um, and you spoke fantastically about how justice and identity, particularly amongst the black community, are really, you know, so important with the oppressive history of, of colonial Christianity. Mm-hmm. So what else? I mean, they're massive topics, aren't they? Justice and identity. <laughs> what else do you do you encourage the exploration of within uh, apologetics? Yeah, and I think apologetics. Um, I think this, as I said, this cultural moment is the questions are very existential, very related to identity, justice, those sorts of things. But your kind of generic kind of all-time favourite apologetic questions are, you know, is the Bible true? What about the God of the Old Testament? Science versus faith. What's on the table now is, you know, um, artificial intelligence, things like that. Um, is Jesus really history? You know, those kinds of, I would say, other questions. Is it true? <laughs> is Christianity mm. true? Or even if it's true, is it relevant to me? You know, I'm a good person. Do I need God? Those kind of questions. And I noticed that particularly dealing with, I would say, university age students and, and younger they will ask the justice related questions. Um, they will ask the identity questions. And then when you start to get in a real conversation with somebody, it will always kind of lead back to, but isn't the Bible oppressive to women or isn't the Bible made up or isn't the Bible mythical or isn't the God of the Old Testament ruthless? And it will go back to those kind of more, um, I would say, traditional questions um, once you you show the credibility of the gospel in dealing with um justice and identity thank you thank you very much is there anything else you want to tell us about that's coming up on the get real website or events that you're promoting that you want to talk to us about yeah so i will be collaborating with another ministry on um some videos looking at some questions uh we discussed this evening like is the bible a, a tool of oppression or is the bible um christianity good news for women so look out for that they'll be coming up shortly and um just also check out the events page on get real there'll be some events coming up i, I was i went quite um quite strong at the, at the start of the year I've taken a slight little break now but there'll be some more events coming up um that'll be hopefully out in the summer for this kind of like christian holiday events so i'll be speaking at some so do check out the events page on get real website brilliant so uh i'm kind of thinking i'm sitting here thinking i need a, i need you to write a book claire you're gonna oh. <laughs> you're gonna have so much wisdom after all this apologetic stuff that you've been doing we, mm. we need a book so, Claire, I'm going to ask you one of the questions that we ask all our guests on this podcast. What is your image of God? I just find this such a moving question. I can feel myself tearing up a little bit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is such a moving why. question. That's, that's beautiful. Because I've been walking with God a long time. <laughs> I was chatting to someone the other day and they said, Claire, you're 35, but you've been a Christian for 90 years. I was like, I know. it's just been a long walk with the Lord um so I just couldn't imagine a day without him um so yes I do use the pronoun he for me that's not problematic but I understand for others it may well be um so God is my first love God is um oh just just everything to me um God has never given up on me oh my goodness I can't believe this 
he's just been, well, what we say, my day one. <laughs> and um, the best thing that's ever happened to me. And the one who loves me completely unconditionally. That's who God is to me. I wish our listeners could see your, your face when you're <laughs> saying all of this. It's, it's so expressive and, and so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> our final question, Claire, is what do you think is the most important issue affecting Christian women today? How much time have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's about how Christian women navigate the seasons of their life in the church. So whether they are um, widows, divorced, single, married, mothers, um, wanting to be mothers, um, leaders or not leaders, wanting to be leaders, what is the place of the woman in the church in the church who you know the church that is largely made of women but largely led by men and I'm not going to get into discussion about complementarian or egalitarianism but just that tension and I think I've seen it expressed in many women's lives across the different age ranges and you know there's something compelling about God women love Jesus from the inception of the church until this day women love God how do they navigate their place in the church at whatever stage of life they're in? I'm seeing that more and more. I know it's because I'm getting older, but um, I think that's an issue for women and holding on to that love of God and having to deal with some of these issues that maybe, well, that in a lot of cases men don't have to deal with in church. Yeah. Thank you, Claire. Claire, it's just been such a, a lovely conversation oh. that we've been having thank you so much no thank you guys oh. I reckon we could go to deeper levels and deeper levels and deeper levels but sadly no time but mm. your, is, there is your your website and your resources and um, your events so thank you so much Claire for coming on the podcast we really appreciate it thank you guys was great wasn't it i um i loved her thing hold on i've written it down apologetics is the reasonable and rational defense of the christian faith that was a really good summary Mm. i'm rubbish at it yeah yeah and i i I do wonder what is the difference between apologetics and evangelism yeah good question perhaps we should have asked her yeah we should yeah we're a bit slow there because often when I talk about my faith, I talk about the experience of God, mm. but, but she's very into this reasoned... Reasoned argument. Argument, yeah. which is really interesting, yeah? Yeah. So I struggle with apologetics, to be honest. I think there's a bit of a reputation with it, like, you know, in terms of Ravi Zacharias as well. So that's really tainted oh, the apologetics. On. Sorry, who? What? Ravi Zacharias. Who's that? You know, Ravi Zacharias is um, someone who had a massive uh, apologetics ministry who died in, I think it was 2020 or 2019, and he um, basically, lots of sexual abuse went on. And some of it was covered up. And He's American, well, he was originally from India, I think, and moved to America. Um, 
And yeah, so that's been quite controversial, especially in the States as well. Over here as well, because Ravi Zacharias Ministries was in the UK. Amy's ministry as well, I think. You in, yeah. I think she was part of that ministry as well, Um, or it it was connected to that ministry. I I struggle with apologetics just as a a genre. Yeah, put you off. So yeah, but but what but what I liked about Claire's it was that it wasn't so narrow. So she talked about apologetics of justice, including justice and apologetics, and I really liked that because traditionally, what I've always thought of apologetics is like say just defending the faith, like basically defending the Christian God in a very but in a very narrow sense, like. Jesus died on the cross, you know, this is how we can prove the resurrection or this is how we can prove the crucifixion or something. Um, and I like the idea, including justice in that, because God is a God of justice. And um, and so, yeah, that's something I picked up that I thought, oh, I'd never thought about that before, about including justice in apologetics. So, mm, yeah, that empowering. made me think. Especially Claire's work with youngsters. I mean, it's very empowering, isn't it, to be able to speak your truth and own it, as my teenage daughter would say. I was really interested in her point about non-Christians saying that we have a non-thinking faith. Yes, yes. Anti-intellectualism, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. In some evangelical circles. Yeah. So it's all about how you feel. I wonder if that's because the loudest voices speak of God as experience rather than God as something that can be rationalised. I think that we've always had that though haven't we right so you think about someone like Aquinas mm-hmm. very about sort of reason logic in some ways pre-enlightenment but you know this idea of proving God through logic yeah. and then at the same time he was around you had women uh I want to say Julian Norwich I think of someone else I can't think her names um uh Catherine of Siena um as a couple of others and they were very but all those w- women were you know that it was about experience experience yeah. got Julian yeah. Norwich if you read Julian Norwich is very experiential and um so nowadays people like uh people don't like the idea of experience experience of God especially like certain charismatics and it's all always post enlightenment it's just all about experience you know we need to like think and be logical but that's modernity isn't it like reason and logic but I think you can have both I think it's important to have both um so yeah so I think a lot of the younger generation are really like desiring experience with God and I think that's really important to acknowledge that and like we're talking about apologetics not be just about intellectuals or whatever but actually to be about experience I don't know how you do that with apologetics but um Maybe that's where the justice comes in because that's very that can be very practical, can't mm. it? And experience and prophetic as well if you extend it. Yep. What was that phrase that she said that really struck you? Or oh, grace, grace doesn't allow for cancel culture. Some something like yeah. that. That sounds right. Well, what is cancel culture? Cancel culture is where somebody in the media who's who's pretty well known has has a good profile and everybody's you know she's flavor of the month usually women it's usually women and so she's flavor of the month and then she will say something and immediately she is shut down her whole reputation is 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 knocked right. uh, for one statement and that's called cancel culture and so when claire was saying and i'm paraphrasing that grace does not allow for cancel culture i just thought wow that's that's incredible 
Yeah, yeah. Because grace moves us on from those quick reactions that then shut people down. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Mm. Grace, allows, grace allows for more than that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Well, there you go. I, I didn't know, well, I probably did know it was called cancel culture, but obviously completely forgotten because memory like a sieve. <laughs> ah, interesting. So um, she was talking about womanism again, and mm. we're still hoping to have somebody come on and talk about womanism. Oh, I hope so, yeah. yeah. Did you, I've got one of, my, one of her quotes that I really loved was, we are in a relationship with a God who invites our questions. Mm. thought that was brilliant. Mm. Why do you like that? Because it's not about, I'm telling you to do this. It's about, let's have a conversation about this. Yeah. Let's it's learn not about together. conformity, is it? Yeah, let's learn together. Let's have a relationship here, which is not based on, I know all the right answers and I'm going to tell you what to do, but it's based on, well, let's, let's see what happens. Mm. Anyway, I really like the idea that God invites us to ask questions. We can have a little yeah. wrestle with God. I, I like the thought of that. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, lovely listener. And don't forget, don't be scared to get in contact with us. Come we join need- us. Yeah, you'll love it. It's great. Thanks for listening, lovely listener. And um, we'll see you again next time. Bye. 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 for listening to this episode of the recovering god podcast please remember to rate subscribe and tell others who you think will be interested you can follow us on twitter at recovering god instagram at recovering underscore god or contact us by email at recovering god podcast at gmail.com